welcome to Scotland Singing for Health podcast, produced by Scotland Singing for Health Network and funded by the Royal Society of Edinburgh. I'm Sophie Boyd and today I'm joined by two brilliant guests. Before they're introduced, let me tell you a little bit about this podcast and why we are talking about Singing for Health. Singing for Health groups support the management of a range of conditions, such as respiratory conditions, dementia, Parkinson's disease, and mental health concerns. In each episode of the podcast, we will be talking to singers, singing group leaders, researchers, and medical practitioners to find out more about the benefits of singing and what Singing for Health activities are taking place all around Scotland. So hello, Jane and Caro. Uh, thank you so much for joining me. Hello. hello. <laughs> Jane and Caro, it's brilliant to have you here with us today. Uh, really looking forward to chatting with you. Uh, you are both doing some really fascinating work in singing and lung health. Uh, so I wonder if we might start, uh, if you could tell our listeners a little bit about your background in this field and the work that you're up to at the moment. Okay. Okay, shall I start? So um, it's lovely to be here and thanks for inviting me. So my name's Jane Lewis and I'm a community song leader with the Warblers Singing for Lung Health group. I trained in Singing for Lung Health with the British Lung Foundation back in 2015. It was actually the pilot round of their training for existing song leaders and in working with um, people with lung conditions. And I set up a singing for lung health group in East Lothian in 2015, followed by um, an additional group in Mid Lothian in 2016. And I'm Caro Overy, uh, and thank you very much for inviting me today. I'm a singing leader with The Chain Gang, which is a singing for breathing charity. And I trained in 2017 as part of their pilot training. I then started leading the Leith group for The Chain Gang in 2018. And we're one of six different groups around Scotland uh, that are all part of The Chain Gang. So yeah, that's me. Oh, it's so great to have you both here. I'm really excited to share experiences about being uh, singing leaders in this field. Um, for the listeners who don't know, I run a singing group, a uh, chain gang singing group in Glasgow in uh, the East End in Deniston, uh, which I started as a research project in 2018. So yeah, it's so nice to uh, talk about this with you. Um, I guess we should start off by um, explaining to our listeners what singing for lung health actually is? Mm. Um, I've actually, um, when I was preparing for this podcast, I, I looked up um, to refresh my memory of um, a great resource, which is called Singing for Lung Health, a systematic review of the literature and consensus statement, which was published online in December 2016. Um, in prime, uh, NPJ Primary Care Respiratory Medicine. So you can find that online. Um, and the, the, the definition of singing for lung health there says that singing for lung health can be distinguished from participation in more generic singing activities by its focus on improving breath control and posture in relation to respiratory disease using songs as tools for this purpose. These take precedence over the quality of singing produced and preparation for public performance, although efforts to improve the quality of singing provide an important impetus for ongoing participation. Singing for lung health groups include specific components around posture and breath control tailored to lung disease, in particular airflow obstruction Cough is a common feature of respiratory disease and may limit participation in a conventional choir, whereas singing for lung health groups represent a more tolerant environment. So that just, for me, really sums up those essential elements and, and, and what it is about a singing for lung health group that is different, albeit containing many similar elements to a conventional um, community choir or, or community singing group. Yeah, definitely. That sums it up so well, all these different elements. Um, yeah. Lung health is quite a broad term, I think. 
what kind of conditions um, do you see people coming to your groups with? Within the chain gang, we have a particular interest in people living with COPD, which is chronic obstructive pulmonary disorder. And when the chain gang initially started, it was founded by two respiratory nurses who were aware of the benefits that singing might bring to some of their patients that they were working with. And so they began as kind of studying and trying out these different techniques that they had. So within the chain gang, traditionally, it was kind of people living with COPD. Um, but increasingly over the years, that's kind of expanded slightly. So now we very much see it as a, a sort of holistic, anyone who feels that they have a challenge when it comes to breathing um, or experience breathing difficulties. So we see people with bronchiectasis. Uh, we also see those with asthma as well. Um, and also more recently, sometimes people who are managing anxiety and kind of mental health related conditions and the way that that can feed into their breathing. Um, however, our techniques were very much based on that initial work that was done with people living with COPD. Um, which is quite a sort of specific condition when it comes to the lungs and the impact it has on people's experience of breath and breathing. Mm, thanks, Cara. I think what I'd add to that is that typically singing for lung health groups, yes, historically have focused more and, and been more geared towards people with, um, with COPD, which comprises, um, is made up of emphysema and chronic bronchitis that's that those are the two sort of main conditions and that's known as a, a, an obstructive lung condition so um copd asthma and bronchiectasis and the focus there is on the exhale so people typically um have inflammation and swelling in the airways which become narrower or maybe even blocked leaving too much air left in the lungs and, and that can result in shortness of breath as, as a result of that. We also work with people with restrictive um, lung conditions. So that's um, an example of that would be um, pulmonary fibrosis or, or people who've had um, lung cancer surgery. And, and there the, the, the focus is a little bit more on the inhale. So making sure there's enough time for the inhale. And I think, Sophie, you'll probably be able to tell me more about this, but I think this there have been a few studies um, done in this area, but much less research. So it's a little bit of a sort of less, less evidence base that we're working on there, but the, the, the focus is more there on the inhale. So we tend to gear our sessions I always ask people before they come to um, my groups um, if, they're, if they're happy to tell me what their lung condition is so I can then sort of tailor the approach towards them. Um, the, the, the other area to mention is people who are breathless due to long COVID. And there's been a lot of debate around this in the Singing for Lung Health community. Are traditional Singing for Lung Health methods useful or not for people with um, long COVID, and I think the jury is still out um, on that one. Um, I, I did. Uh, I was fortunate enough to to run one of five groups that that, that was running uh, online singing groups for people with long COVID through St Andrew's Voices earlier this year, and these these were very small sort of groups, very gent going at a much gentler pace than we would typically go in, in, in our singing for lung health groups and very much tailored around the needs of people with long COVID and as much about relaxation and body awareness as they were about breathing and, and singing. So I, I, I think we can maybe adapt some of our sessions, but with caution and knowing that many people with long COVID have um, chronic fatigue and, and pushing through that yeah, absolutely isn't, isn't useful. Yeah, I um, just to echo what Jane's saying there and to share some experience from with the chain gang, we had a collaborative project with Chest Heart and Stroke Scotland, uh, for which we produced a, a couple of video resources um, for people with long COVID. And my understanding at that point uh, was that with long COVID, it was more about supporting participants to uh, regulate their breath. So 
rather than mm. focusing like jane was saying on the on the out breath which is generally what we're doing with obstructive conditions um there's yeah there's something more to do with that kind of regulating the breathing um so there's a technique that we that is sometimes called window breathing where you uh breathe out for four beats then breathe in for, or allow yourself the time of four beats to then take a breath in allow yourself the time of four beats to take a breath out to kind of keep that ebb and flow being the same length whereas traditionally within when you're working with people with copd uh, these obstructive lung conditions actually want to emphasize the the out breath needs to be longer because by the nature of their conditions they often have more air in the lungs that they're starting with so that's that's yeah. kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. one one difference in the approach and um, but i think as jane says we're still learning about that area and yes. um, and there's so much that we have to consider when it comes to the other symptoms of covid uh, like jane says around kind of chronic fatigue um there might be just other things that people are kind of living with um, and because it's a new area for everyone there's just we we just don't know um what yeah at the moment we're still learning that's I yes we're getting quite technical already aren't we <laughs> <laughs> which is really interesting because um yes well i mean this this yeah one of the other techniques that that we used in that group that i've now brought into my singing for lung health group was actually for it, um as we do a breathing exercise um putting the back of a hand sort of on the throat and larynx, larynx area and really focusing on relaxing here. So as you let the air in, just checking that you're leading from the belly and not, not developing tension here, um, which is a really useful exercise actually um, that, that, that for, for all of us um, yeah. to have that sort of feedback mechanism. But yes, I'm hoping that, that and, and the singing groups certainly did bring some benefits um, to, to people that, that they were a, a, a real joy to, to to take part in and be alongside people in their journey. But how that fits with the traditional singing for lung health, it's, it's yeah, quite different in terms of pacing. Um, yeah. It's interesting what you're saying about um, how you're using your breath when you're singing. And it's, I guess, is thinking about how when you sing and you breathe, it's your whole body being used. And I think, um, the singing comes in as a really interesting intervention because it's about paying attention and acknowledging all these different experiences of breath, um, kind of repurposing breath into something that's actually bringing so much joy in the group. When your breath is converted into song and laughter and all that connection between people in that space, um, yeah, it's just amazing mm -hmm. that singing, I think more than any other intervention, like pulmonary rehab, for example, um, just really helping people, yeah, learn a new relationship with their breath and their body and, and finding what they are capable of doing instead of the things that are really, really difficult because uh, mm -hmm. of that illness. Yeah, there's definitely a strand there when uh, we're working with people with COPD, like you say, Sophie, a lot of the experiences of people living with conditions where they need to manage their breath day to day, it can be a really isolating experience. So some of the stories we hear where some of from some of our members where, you know, they're unwilling to phone their friends or relatives in case they need to cough in the middle of a conversation, or they might be unsure about how far they're going to be able to walk before they run out of breath or need to stop and recover and these things can be very we quite often see a coexistence of copd or another kind of obstructive lung condition with um with mental health concerns or people with negative experiences of mental health um because of that kind of relationship that it becomes a negative relationship with the breath and within the chain gang we talk about trying to create and encourage a positive relationship with the breath and that's kind of part of what we're we're doing and it can definitely come i think one of the strengths of singing for breathing and singing for lung health and um, with with jane's group and um, and approach as well as is very much about bringing people together with others that have similar experience to themselves but they're not directly discussing that experience and they're not focusing on the negatives they're 
together kind of building that community and sharing their experiences but through a, a positive and kind of fun way of of dealing with things so yeah i think that's something that we can a, a value that i think we we bring quite uniquely within singing and yeah it's giving people a voice literally to be able to yeah. express themselves and let out these emotions together in that safe yeah. space um yeah. but yeah without the sort of um difficulties of discussing a condition with each other yeah. um yeah yeah i actually have the the statistics for um uh, mental health conditions and COPD um, from yeah. the National Institute of Clinical Excellence. Um, COPD guidelines estimate that 40% of people with COPD live with depression and 36% of people live with anxiety. And that's mm. tied up with feelings of morbidity um, and from decreased mobility. Um, a lot of people get really isolated in their homes because the fear mm. of getting breathless while out and about is so terrifying. But mm. then the fear of being stuck inside alone is really isolating. And so mm. it's this cycle. It becomes a vicious cycle mm. that people get caught up in. And then the more the um, anxiety leads to tension in the body, which is why we work so much with the body in, in, in singing for lung health and enable people to, to become a phrase that we call and that fully embodied so that we're really inhabiting this body and 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 that enables us to become more aware of oh actually my shoulders are feeling a wee bit tense so i can notice that and become aware of it and soften softening um i love that word soften it, i just think it's so important that actually when we're being gentle and kind to ourselves we can soften in the body and once we're aware of our body and how different parts of the body feel and how we inhabit this body then we can consciously soften and we can hold our body in a way that we know is um, more beneficial um, and that, that that's going to help us um, breathe in the most efficient way possible so we do focus quite a bit on body awareness and and also postural awareness this word posture often um, makes people think about being very stiff but it's actually not it's about just you know checking in it's about actually letting your bones do what they need to do to support the body so we're not sort of slumping down making the muscles do that work so those muscles aren't available to us for breathing um so I, i'm sure we'll come on to this in the wee while but at the beginning of a session um, well, I'll often start with um, helping people ground. So really focusing on the feet. Um, yeah, and, and, and really feeling the contact with the earth, maybe swaying a bit from side to side, lifting the toes, spreading them out, see if you can place them one by one, just really grounding down and then kind of growing up from that, imagining a cord coming out the crown of the head. So long back and long neck and everything else in between quite nicely relaxed and shoulders up to ears and back and down and then pausing and noticing because it's in that sort of pausing and noticing that we develop the, the the body awareness and it stops being just an exercise that Jane tells us to do at the beginning of every session it actually becomes um people um start noticing themselves which is what we're wanting um them to do singing for lung health is at its best, a tool for helping people to manage their breathlessness and, and their long-term condition. So we're hoping that people will, will take these approaches away. And, and, and I'm most delighted when we do an evaluation and people say, oh, now when I get a bit breathless, I use some of those exercises when I'm out and about. And, and I think, yes, job done. You, you know, it's fabulous that they've actually got the confidence to, to use these tools and put them into into place and 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 when you feel anxious then you get much um you, you you typically become tense in the upper part of the body and that then restricts your breathing and your breathing becomes shallower so we work with that in that whole field of um becoming embodied becoming aware knowing how to calm ourselves down and um using the primary what, what we call the sort of primary muscles for breathing rather than the secondary less efficient um muscles 
Oh, thank you so much, Jane. It's really interesting to hear about that embodied practice that you put into place in your sessions. I was just going to add, actually, um, that I, I've, I'm i just showing up here um, a lovely little book called Breathing Into Life by Bija Bennett. And it's a book of poems about the breath. And you were talking a while back, Sophie, about developing a more positive relationship with the breath. I use poems quite a lot in our sessions. And um, I did that a lot in the the long COVID singing group. I would end each session with a, a poem. Um, I'm also a mindfulness teacher and we use poetry a lot in, in the mindfulness sessions. This is a book that um, Feeney Cave, who, who trained me and, and has trained many, many singing for lung health song leaders um, across the UK and beyond. She recommended this and it's got lovely little poems about breath. But I also find others that aren't necessarily about breath, might be about the theme of the songs we're singing about, but have got that sort of uplifting um, general well-being sense about them um, mm. and tend to sort of drop them in at the end of the session, say after we've done a wee bit of relaxation or so. Um, yeah. I think yeah. that's also one of the unique things about singing is that of course when we're singing it's got words and we can find that kind of meaning and the connection um in words that support what we're trying to do as well um i mean i would say we with the chain gang definitely we try and do a really broad range of songs so we will definitely do some that are more sort of could be from anywhere that are more connected with a kind of the what we're trying to achieve the the sort of um poetry and words that jane is describing there where we're sort of thinking about songs that reflect those meanings but we also do quite a lot of well-known songs uh, so that the group can easily pick them up that they enjoy them and that it's a fun experience for them because i i'm pretty sure that Jane, like myself, comes from a natural voice background. Uh, so within the natural vo voice network as natural voice practitioners, we believe fully that everyone can sing and that singing is everyone's birthright. And that is something that is, is kind of links in with singing for lung health and singing for breathing really well, um, because it enables you to kind of support anyone, regardless of their previous musical experience they're going to have a good time <laughs> and hopefully they'll find a song that they enjoy um, within yes. that. Yes. And interestingly, um, I think one of the biggest barriers that we face as singing for lung health practitioners is actually directly related to that caro as well, because it's that belief that I can't sing. And um, however much we tell people, yes, you can, everybody can sing, come and give it a go. It remains, I think, our biggest barrier um that, that that there's a lot of people out there in the population who don't sing or haven't sung since school or had a a, a negative experience of singing at school told they needed to sing at the back just mouth whatever it is we know there's there's just so much baggage that people have around singing and when you add in breathlessness on top of that and living with a chronic lung condition it's actually quite a challenge to to convince people yes we would love to have you in our group you do not need to have any previous experience please please come along and give it a go and and we will be super supportive of you giving it a go and it's that giving it a go that's important and um we've got a little video on our website um i think the chain gang's got something similar with um stories and interviews with people from the group who were saying exactly that if you believe you can't sing please come and give it a go um but it remains one of one of the biggest challenges i think i think you really pe see people transform in the group as well when they've come in with this belief that i can't sing no way i don't even know why i'm here like hey yeah. like this is yeah um out of yeah. place and everything but as the weeks go on you start you see yeah. them they change like their yeah. posture opens out a bit and they yeah. you, they're getting into it moving a bit more with the kind of with the beat and singing out and then over time the the sound of the group from from when it starts mm. till when it's going because my group ran for a year and a half before lockdown um mm. 
the sound change was phenomenal and you just heard it all the time mm. just that little bit that person just singing out that little bit more and I think people take that confidence with them that they're like yeah. hey I can do this thing that all my life I never thought I can do and here I am every week singing my heart out what else can mm. I do in my life that I never thought I could yeah. do and I, it yeah. really changes people that yeah totally that's actually um that's one of the phrases in a song that we wrote um that the warblers wrote during lockdown so we were involved in this fabulous writing project um which was an outreach project of the edinburgh international book festival called citizen and um we'd had one workshop um musselborough was one of their target areas so we'd had one workshop with um Ellie Tom, the, 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 the writer who, who was working as part of that project. And then we carried on online and um, we wrote one of the phrases, uh, um, some of the work into a song, which is on our website called Singing Is My Solace. And one of the verses in, in the song, if I can remember it, is always <laughs> felt embarrassed singing in public, never even sang in church. Now I sing my heart out in the car. And it's it's just fabulous. It just really encapsulates that kind of, you know, and this is a guy who went to church every week, you know, church was a big part of his life. And, and you know, a lot of people sing in church and never sing anywhere else, but he didn't even sing in church. He was kind of, yeah. And then when you add in, um, so yes, there's the, 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 the singing sessions and um, that definition of singing for lung health kind of said that, that you, you know, performing isn't a big part of singing for lung health whatsoever. Yet, um, you know, typically as time goes on, the group is asked, will you come and sing at blah, blah, blah. And, and you kind of check out with folk. You don't want to put people on the spot. You don't want people to feel too nervous. And a couple of people, I've always stood back from performances, which is absolutely fine. And I've always emphasized this is not, this isn't what this group's here for. Um, but if you'd like to, we can do this. And then the confidence that folk get, you know, that boosts their confidence even more. Um, yeah. So, so there's that kind of confidence that can just keep go, um, keep growing. If it's, you know, within the supportive context of this group of people who they've got to know, a song yeah. leader who they've yeah. got to know and yeah. trust and and actually just knowing that actually there aren't any wrong notes and we can just go for it. This feels good. It benefits me. It benefits my lungs, benefits my general well-being. It uplifts me. Singing together is a unifying thing. We're listening to each other. We're there with each other. And it's that sort of whole general well-being approach um with the reassurance that you just do as much as feels right for you and and you're kind of the you, you, you know you're the expert on what works for you yeah. and your body and your breathing on any given day and and yeah you, you yeah. need to kind of look after yourself um yeah in the group yeah we've had um it's lovely to hear about your experiences there jane and yeah we have had a few similar experiences with the chain gang again we we never put pressure on anyone to perform if they don't wish to but it's been amazing to see almost what you call kind of the teamwork instinct kicks in <laughs> where people feel like they're part of this community they want to celebrate it and that's um part of that is sharing the songs with a, an audience that that wants to hear them you know and, and sort of we've had um your your story just there reminded me of a workshop we did at the Community Education Centre in Leith, which was where the Leith group started. And the Leith group in general, as I said, we're one singing group of about six around the whole of Scotland. Um, and in terms of membership, there's sort of about 10 to 15 members. So it's not a particularly large group, but we were singing as part of this open day for the Community Education Centre. They were interested in all of the groups that use the centre coming along and kind of sharing what they do with the local community. So we ran, it was a workshop and then obviously kind of ended with a couple of songs that we all sang together and it was for anyone so it was for some people who uh you know people were coming to the room who had no experience of living with a lung condition or living with breathlessness and it was an interesting way to kind of give them some insight into a uh, people's 
conditions that people that were living with breathlessness um day to day so that that was quite interesting um but we also it was just at the end where we did this big sing-along and the folks who were in the group week to week very much were sort of helping other people join in on, on the parts and kind of and they all had their chain gang t-shirts on and they were just really like so enthusiastic and so happy to be there and to be sharing this and really proud of what had brought them together and when you think about that experience of the condition that they live with compared with their previous experience of it being an isolating and kind of individual experience it was it, it's just very inspiring to kind of see what singing can do for and um, bringing people together in that way so yeah yeah um, and I think what yeah. you've touched on there as well um it, the, the benefits of singing for lung health aren't just about physical well-being yes singing for lung health does hopefully bring some physical benefits in terms of um breathing reduced breathlessness possibly in some people reduced hospitalization reduced reliance on inhalers um but the um the three broad categories and i'm going back to this consensus statement again now which um said that the three broad ca categories of benefits from singing for lung health were physical psychosocial and social so it's the kind of the, the the physical the emotional and the reduced isolation the building of that community um the discussions that take place about other classes that that, that people can get involved with the sharing of resources the the thing that happens so strongly within my singing for lung health groups if somebody's not well is that there is so much sort of concern and support and cards sent and people developing sharing phone numbers amongst each other ringing each other up checking how they are there's a real sense of actually somebody somebody's not well here and we're looking out for them um so, you know that really strong sense of community as well as sharing tips for managing breathlessness and dealing with medical professionals, whatever it might be. I think that sense of community is something that's lived on through lockdown. I was so worried when the group stopped that that peer support space would be gone. And what would that mean for people who are shielding and in real isolation there? But actually, um, you really saw the strength of those connections where people were really looking out for each other and doing that like themselves without that group facilitating it, you know, like just keeping that sense of community alive. Yes, lockdown brought a whole new element into the whole singing for lung health world, didn't it? And we did keep our groups going online. Um, and I was really fascinated when we did a bit of an evaluation to kind of, you, you know, just to to see if this was a, if the group had played any sort of different role in their lives to, to the role it usually plays. And um, interestingly, um, people did say that they still found it really, really useful in terms of helping their breathing, even though, so for anyone who doesn't know about online singing, um, you have to, when you're actually singing a song together, everybody has to be on mute because of the time lag. So the singers can hear the song leader and will be singing along with the song leader. The song leader can't hear any of the singers, which is rather tragic and, um, but um, it, it, it was the best thing we had. And so if we then sing around, I will have made a track beforehand with me singing both parts and I can sing along with that and alternate between the two. And, and, and actually it's um, in some ways, I think it helped people develop more confidence in their own voice because they're actually singing on their own and, and, and listening to themselves, singing along and trying to, pick out say one part um of a, of a round um but what people said in addition to all of that was that the actually having that contact with people still where they could still see each other they could still see each other moving along to a song even though they couldn't hear each other and of course we had some chat as well and some social time and we we did some of our warm-ups unmuted and checked in before and after each song and got feedback and all of that sort of stuff. Um, but 
People also said that keeping the routine and the structure of their week had been really important when nearly everything else had gone and keeping up those connections had been really important. And, and yeah, and, and other people also said that um, one of the benefits of online sessions was that folk who um, would maybe have been unable to attend in-person sessions because of their health were actually able to to join in. I've, I've, I've got a quote here from, from one person who'd actually, she'd been part of our Midlothian group right from the beginning, but had then latterly not been able to come very often because of her health. And she joined in a lot of the online sessions. And, and, and what she said was, normally I miss so many sessions because of my health, but now I can attend even if I'm having a bad day from the comfort of my own home. Sometimes the physical effort of getting there really takes it out of me. Now I can use my energy for the singing and really feel the benefit. Wow. So, so yeah, it was just really interesting adding in this whole other, you know, I don't think anybody would choose to do online singing, um, but <laughs> as a kind of, you know, it's the best yeah. we've got at the moment. It, it actually yeah. served such an important um such an important purpose for uh, our mm. members during the, particularly the early stages of the pandemic, when many of them, I'm sure many of the chain gang members as well, were shielding. So they were very isolated yeah. and, and frightened. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 We did a, um, a sort of range of approaches within the chain gang of uh, Sophie and myself and the other leaders have been producing video resources that go on our website. Um, which has been really interesting because the uptake of those has been much broader. We've seen much more traffic towards that than we would necessarily expect from just the members of the chain gang. So um, we're not entirely sure of the reasons for that, but it's it's quite encouraging to see that there's there is, you know, there are people using these resources um, and we have partnered that up with kind of weekly and fortnightly kind of phone calls and check ins. So uh, within the chain gang team, we have some excellent kind of administrative organizer and um, stuff that a that will put their time into that kind of a community building side of things and definitely the Leith group that I told you about earlier uh, before lockdown we hovered around the sort of 10 to 15 members we've actually acquired a couple of members <laughs> throughout <laughs> lockdown <laughs> because people have heard about heard about it through their social networks or, or what have you and a uh, and their families and, and sort of thought oh maybe I'll get involved in that and I've just found my notes here um, about a research study um, that w w looked at moving singing for lung health online in response to the COVID-19 experience from a randomized control trial. And this was an article published in the, the BMJ in mm. 2020. And they, um, they found that people reported enjoyment, improvements to their breathing and mood, and, and also benefited from the social aspects. Um, there was a clear preference for face-to-face -face singing, <laughs> but online singing still provided substantial health and well-being benefits. So that's certainly backed up at, you, you know, I think what we've both, what we've all been saying. And that it's um, singing for lung health appears safe and enjoyable, both face-to-face -face and online. The barriers include um, digital access and digital literacy, literacy, yeah. which yeah. Is, yeah. was huge. Yeah. Um, mm. yeah, and depression and balance coordination appeared to show improvements. So yes, mm. I spent a huge amount of time trying to get folk connected and to develop the confidence yeah. to come online. And we actually initially did um, one session on Zoom a week and one that I streamed from Zoom to YouTube live so <laughs> folk could watch that whenever. Um, yeah. So it was a little bit easier to access. Um, and I'm still, we've, we were going to go back to in-person sessions early September, but because local rates were so high, we've kind of delayed that bit. Mm -hmm. um, so we're still hoping to go back relatively soon um, but mm -hmm. in the meantime, I'm still, there's a, still a few people who I'm still trying to, to you know, yeah. keep on saying, yes, I, I do want to come on, but, but they've just not quite managed it yet. Mm -hmm. So yes, for yeah. all that older generation who just aren't yeah. used to technology, it's been a huge sort of leap of faith, really. Mm -hmm. And people are yeah. so delighted when they do make it and they can <laughs> see people. Yeah. And, yeah. 
Well, it's been amazing to hear about all your online work and how you're bringing in that creativity of connecting people. Um, I'm wondering, as we're thinking about coming back to in-person groups, how it's going to look like for your respective um, Singing for Lung Health groups. Um, are there any practices from online that you're going to be bringing into your, your in-person groups? That's a really good question. Um, so we're starting back quite soon actually in a slightly reduced capacity uh, with a couple of our groups to ensure that we can maintain safe distancing, good ventilation. We're re reducing the length of time of the group as well um, to kind of reduce the risk of infection um, essentially when it comes to COVID. Um, and that's going to be quite a, a sort of adventure in itself and I think there'll be when I'm thinking about what to cover within those groups um I'll be covering the things that we would normally cover in any session so when it comes to the sort of core ingredients that I include in any singing for lung health session um Jane talked beautifully about the sort of physical work that we do uh, with our bodies understanding the voice as part of the body and so beginning a lot of sessions with that kind of grounding process um, and the physical side so when we're thinking about physical work with people living with lung conditions uh, we often think about releasing tension as much as possible um, and to an extent we do want singing as well as part of this but the sort of safe experience of breathlessness so enabling people to challenge themselves and to to really sort of extend their breath um is sometimes they will experience breathlessness in our sessions but because it's a safe space and they know that everyone else around them has similar experiences they're potentially more sort of up for participating in that so yeah so physical work is part of what we're doing breath work uh, which sometimes is presented as now we're going to do a breathing exercise but sometimes we'll do it sort of what we refer to as by stealth so either including it within the phrasing of certain songs that we're doing or within kind of call and response format warm-ups which is something that I do quite a lot as kind of inviting people to imitate the sound that I've just made and so sometimes I'll kind of work in the breath work through that um some a couple of the video resources that I produced for the chain gang one of them was to do with the sound of a train and kind of extending the length of the train sound um for each bit so I'll, I'll be using that in person I think and another one being uh, around the dandelion clock of just kind of using a imaginary dandelion just to kind of get that connection with the abdominal breathing. So rather than saying, and now feel it from your abdomen, da, 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 thinking of it as quite a natural act of if you were just going to blow all the fluff off that dandelion, what would you do? And it has the same physical effect. So, um, so sometimes with breath work, we use that kind of either call and response or visualization element or a, a something or just sort of by stealth within the songs. Um, something else that we generally cover is kind of the cognitive side. So part of living with a lung condition can sometimes be around, um, you know, the kind of brain fog that people describe, uh, which can happen as a result of there being, it's to do with the way that the blood flow is kind of oxygenated uh, because if you're if the gas ex if the gas exchange in your uh, alveoli um, is challenged then obviously that sort of stands to reason that um, you maybe will be having a, a slightly sort of lower it's it's harder <laughs> to get oxygen around the body um, and that includes the brain so there's kind of sometimes people can feel a bit sluggish or you know and and that can come as well as just part of the sort of psychosocial experience as well so um sometimes cognitive things so we'll we'll introduce kind of little um singing warm-ups in a way that use you can use things like numbers or you can use adding actions to songs that 
people already know, uh, replacing words, and they can get quite silly and quite fun. And that's part of what we're doing as well. So laughter You're the and queen fun, of that? cognitive warm-ups, Carrie. You're <laughs> kind of, it's your speciality. I, I love I your cognitive so warm-ups. Uh, I really think like... <laughs> It's also, I mean, cognitive um, work is something that is generally looked at within music as a whole as well. And there's a lot of theory around if you do music from an early age, for example, or sing with children, they can, uh, it sort of increases the elasticity um, of the neural pathways and it enables you to kind of just hook onto things and create with with a song you've essentially got about three or four different ways of remembering the same thing and it might be through the words it might be through the tune it might be through the feeling that the song creates there's kind of all these different ways that your your kind of psychology can hook onto it um and that's a i mean i'm sure you'll be covering um singing with um, people living with dementia for example um when people are struggling with memory um it can be music can be one of the things that that really kind of stays there um and i was in a lucky position as as a child of being exposed to a lot of music and uh, and i think that was part of part of why i quite enjoy cognitive wars <laughs> um, because it was yeah sort of part of my own uh, neural development um, so yes the cognitive side um is something that we that we kind of cover as well a uh, relaxation ensuring that everything is a nice safe and relaxing space for people to be in and um, that again is kind of that's very much on the border of whether it's physical or mental it's kind of um the whole seeing as a holistic thing and that can be through it can be through breathing it can be through singing the the kind of the mood of the song that you choose or the the phrasing that it has um or through something like a verbal kind of a poem or something like this as well which i that's not something i've necessarily been drawn to myself uh so far but it's something that i have noticed my colleagues doing more and more um especially during the lockdown side of things where the musical side has been more of a challenge to make happen um, and it's something that I'm keen to bring into my practice so I, I'll be looking at that um, and then of course the singing so there'll be there will of course be songs so I'm looking forward to um, hearing yeah to, to bringing those together and um, yeah. It's a really interesting question I've just been sitting here thinking and really interesting to hear um Hear, hear your thoughts, Cara. I think there's a few things for me. Um, and some of them have come from or have been informed by my work with the, the singing group for people with long COVID. So one of the things that we did there was from, because we were focusing more on the inhale. So it, supporting people to sing one phrase and then inhale while the next phrase was going on. And then you come in on the third phrase. So I've I've started using a little bit more of that in my singing for lung health group. And of course, when you're online and you're singing along to a track, then that's um, quite easy to do. But I'm I'm wondering about doing a little bit of that as we go back. And actually, um, yeah, just really supporting people to allow space for the inhale as well as that focus on the long and gradually extending the exhale. Um, that, that, that that's a real really core part of, of singing for lung health so yes I'm wondering about say you know playing a, a, the odd track in my sessions I've always been very resistant to using backing tracks um, um, because I think they can detract from from people actually hearing and being confident about the sound of their own voice but they can also I think if it's a track of me or, or, or somebody else just singing the whole song that we can sing along to that actually isn't dominant. So we can actually leave some more spaces. I'm thinking particularly there's one song that we did online, which is a lovely grounding song, My Roots Go Down by Sarah Pirtle. And if you leave out the, the kind of fourth phrase, my roots go down, down into the earth, my roots go down, 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 and then you inhale and then you go again. So it's kind of just adapting things like that. And that's a lovely, you know, it helps get that lovely grounding feel as well. You can visualize your roots going down and it goes on to include lots of different trees and stuff. Um, 
The other thing that I've started doing is sort of doing themed sessions. Um, and we've done a theme, we've done a theme of rivers. So songs about rivers, we're doing ones, songs about singing and it's just sort of creating a bit of, yeah, it's, it's adding a bit of extra interest. And then the poems I read are sort of on that theme. So I think I'll possibly carry on with that. And I invite people to suggest songs on that theme that they might like. Um, Using the poems, I'll definitely carry on with that. That was a lockdown thing, but I really love it and people seem to really appreciate it. Some of my singers aren't going to feel confident coming back to in-person sessions, um, certainly right now. So I'm going to also need to, to Zoom our in-person mm -hmm. sessions. Ah. <laughs> I'm sure I'll get there. I'm sure we'll get there. Yeah. Um, another technical challenge. Um, and the other thing that I think I've started bringing in more um, during lockdown, I had some singing lessons myself and which I my, my background isn't as a singer. It's as a community worker and I'm a trained social worker. And through, I, I got into singing through sort of radical song. Um, so actually learning more about my own voice and, and was going to these fabulous sort of online vocal workout sessions that Helen Porter runs is a jazz singer based down in Cornwall. So I feel like I understand more my own voice and how, how that works. So bringing that more into, um, into my singing work feels quite exciting. I don't know about like for, for you both, how, how you find, um, getting people to come along to your groups like um are people is there a, a kind of social prescription kind of model that your group is part of or how like because it's quite hard sometimes for people to know about these groups or something that could help them yeah we have a really strong relationship with the local pulmonary rehab physiotherapists who are really have been really 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 supportive of um, the warblers right from the start and we used to go along to their um, what they called their maintenance session after sort of 10 weeks of um, pulmonary rehab physio there's a kind of what next session and we used to be part of that because they've sort of had to shorten the time they have for that we've not been able to do that recently um, so we rely on them to 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 kind of show people our video to to pass on our flyers we also send out the flyers quite widely through practice nurses um gp practice managers um libraries community centers other third sector organizations um yes um pres social prescribing uh, um that's definitely on the wish list um I think I've had one person who said that her doctor had prescribed her <laughs> to come to my singing group. And I was absolutely delighted and thought, yes, here we go. But there's not been another one since. And that was a few years ago. So I think we've got a long way to go in terms of social prescribing. It would be absolutely ideal. And um, some of the research has certainly shown that singing for lung health can not only have beneficial health impacts it can also um, be a cost-effective way of supporting people to manage their their long-term condition so um, it, it totally makes sense and um, I've gone along and done presentations to GPs practice nurses together with um, a couple of people from the group who can can speak from from their experience as participants as well in terms of the benefits and I think that's where the research really comes in as well and why um, it's really important for us to be able to show that this is an evidence-based approach um, because that's what medical professionals will, lo will look at and listen to um, so I'm really looking forward to Scotland's Singing for Health Network um, helping us um, in, in, in kind of knowing a bit more about the, the, the latest research that, that, that's out there. I don't always have as much time as I'd like to, to be able to sort of do another scan about, oh, what, you know, what new studies are there um, coming up. Um, we certainly have a section on our website that sort of links to a few of the sort of key research 
findings, but but would really, really value the support of the academics with that. Uh, and um, yes, there's the research, there's the health professionals, and there's us as singing for lung health practitioners. And I, th I think there's a lot of ways that we can all work more closely together. Yeah, that's definitely an aim of the network is to, well, we've recognized then these gaps that there's not enough communication between the different fields of research, medical practice and music practice. So how do we uh, facilitate these dialogues? How do we make medical practitioners know what we're doing and, and the research that says how beneficial it is? Um, Oh, yeah, it's so interesting hearing like how you've managed to link in with these different health professionals, but that there's still space for kind of maybe more and more acknowledgement maybe from the health field. Um, if you were to think about the future of singing for lung health in Scotland, what might that look like? Um, it, for me, it would be a clear model of singing on prescription. So actually, let's nail this. Let's actually make this a formal process. Let's ha um, get enough robust research evidence to convince medical practitioners that this is a good idea. Um, so whatever it takes. Um, we would also have a really strong Scotland-wide Singing for Lung Health network. Um, yeah, so at the moment it's a little bit piecemeal. Um, there's groups as well as the the chain gang groups. I know there's the 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 group in Air and a group in Paisley. Um, I'm a little bit out of touch, and and the St Andrew's Voices group as well. I'm a little bit out of touch what other groups there are in Scotland at the moment. And we did have pre-pandemic, we had a couple of sort of peer support sessions, which yeah. were lovely. Um, which is when I met you in real life, Sophie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which is fab. And Cara and my paths have crossed on a number of occasions. But but just really building that, I think, is so important. And to feel like we're all supporting each other, working together yeah. to build this uh, um, and looking at the areas of Scotland that don't currently have singing for lung health groups. Um, the, the model that was set up by the, 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 the British Lung Foundation was a little bit, they, they gave us some seed funding and then we were a little bit on our own um, to kind of sort out your own funding, set up an organization or navigate your own pathway. And, and um, yeah, so there's some challenges in that and I hope that people have learned from that. And the, 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 there's certainly discussions now, I think, within the British Lung Foundation about coming back on board a bit more with Singing for Lung Health. I'm not quite sure what that's going to look like, um, but let's hope it sort of leads to a bit more of a strategic approach um, and, and kind of ongoing support, training, um, networking between us and, and robust evaluation. Um, uh, yeah, you, you know, the... Yeah, I don't have a research background. I I've I know the basics of evaluation and I did a master's in applied social studies as part of my social work degree. So I kind of know how to do an evaluation, but we all need to be evaluating the same thing, it needs yeah. to be sort of clearly worked out so that we can actually use that evidence um, mm. to to really promote singing for lung health amongst um, medical practitioners. And I think we need to be a bit more closely integrated as an approach with pulmonary rehab and, and other aspects of healthcare. Um, yeah. So that would be my wish list. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I agree with everything on Jane's uh, wish list. Uh, and I think, uh, yeah, in particular, that kind of, I, th I think both healthcare and and the singing side, we, we need to take each other more seriously, I suppose, in some ways. Um, and just to add to that, I've just got a couple of things to add. And one would be that obviously this is an ongoing need and an increasing need. So more and more people are living with lung conditions. Um, we know the challenges around things like air pollution as well. We don't quite know what the long-term repercussions are of COVID. Um, this is a, it's a growing area, um, sadly, but it's one that we, we need to kind of be prepared to deal with and singing can be part of that and I think that's 
very clear to us and <laughs> it's just kind of communicating that outwards uh, the other thing is the sort of building the professional roots for singers and musicians to come into this world because it singing and community singing can sometimes be something that people kind of fall into from all sorts of backgrounds and that is part of its strength that diversity mm -hmm. within the sector but it's also something where we need to be aware of ourselves as professionals and to kind of build the skill set that we need and to provide support for those coming up so quite often you know people might do a music degree but what does that music degree really prepare them for does it prepare them to go and run a singing for lung health session like at the moment not really not straight away so <laughs> um so i suppose how does that uh, how do we kind of build those roots in um because definitely as someone so i i don't have a music degree but i um a lot of my peers do and i suppose there's sort of that how do we how do we kind of build those connections so that that people know that that's a possibility i think that goes to the whole of singing for health and not just singing for lung health specifically but to kind of build that awareness early on and to provide clear and um agreed upon training routes so as jane was saying that sort of um if if you have a network situation with singing for with other singing for lung health practitioners and you know about the training and support and the development route that is available for that as a profession and as something that we can do. I definitely have a sort of underlying belief that societally and culturally, we expect a lot from our artists, you know, like there's a lot of things that come up, uh, artist commissions, and I'm speaking as a, as a more broad musician now, but things that come up where you're just expected to know how to engage with uh, communities from different backgrounds to yourself, or you're expected to just be able to design a project and evaluate a project and, and actually to do those things well, we really need to kind of mm -hmm. advocate for that as a sector and to say, we need more support to do this. We need to, we need formal routes to have these skills and it can't just be that you're expected to be able to do it straight off or um yeah quite often yeah. we're operating on shoestring budgets and not you know not really getting sort of the support from funders and from um organizations that we need so i think there is part of me that says yeah as musicians and as singing practitioners we need to take ourselves seriously and to to kind of work together on this and, and i think if we're taking a social prescription model seriously with that yeah. has to come funding for these groups as well um it's great to have people referred to them but there just needs to be that extra step as well of really supporting the groups financially yes i mean my my groups are funded through um i apply for funding we don't get any yeah. funding through our local um health and social yeah. care um yeah interestingly <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. yeah yeah well i think there'll be a really promising future for singing and health in scotland i think there's so many motivated people who are working so hard in this field to get it recognized because there are so many impacts in people's lives and um before we finish i know jane you wanted to share a story um from one of your group members to kind of voice some of these impacts Yes, so this is a story um, by um, a, a woman called Joan, and it's available on our website, and it also featured on the British Society of Lifestyle Medicine website. So this is what Joan said. My daughter advised me to start singing. She's a nurse, and she told me that singing was one of the best things I could do to improve my breathing. And she had heard that there was a Singing for Lung Health group meeting at Mecca in Musselburgh. So she phoned Jane and I started coming back in March 2019. My first thought was, I can't sing. But I thought about it for a few weeks and then told myself, if it helps your breathing, Joan, give it a go. It was the best thing I ever did. You don't have to be a singer. I had lung cancer and then I was diagnosed with COPD. I needed something to take my mind off things and to help my breathing. It has helped my breathing enormously. The exercises that we do at the beginning of each class really help to open up my lungs. 
Anything that makes singing easier also helps with your breathing. I notice the difference when I'm going around the house. Before, I used to struggle for breath when I was going upstairs. I used to have to stop, but now I can manage most of the time without stopping. After a singing class, I can go into the kitchen and do a bit more, like make a cup of tea or a sandwich. I feel uplifted and I know I'm breathing better. The hours immediately after warblers, I feel I'm also using my inhaler less. Now, if I'm feeling breathless, I go to the warblers videos on the website. And even if it's only for five minutes, it helps. It's great knowing that the videos are there if I need them. Singing to me works as well as using my inhaler and it's more fun. Singing together with others with similar conditions has been great, especially during lockdown. You don't have to leave your home and go out in the cold and you're still able to meet up with friends and sing together and have fun. Even though we're online, it doesn't inhibit us. We all have to mute when we sing a song together because of the time lag, but we can still see each other moving to the rhythm of the music and we chat before and after each song. So in a way it's ideal for those who aren't confident about the sound of their voice as no one can hear them. The small group chats give us an opportunity to be open with each other. We all get a chance to say how we're feeling. It provides a structure to the week and the Zoom sessions feel like we're inviting others into our own homes at a time when we are unable to do that in person. In many ways, I prefer meeting online as it decreases the risk of infection. Jane, our song leader, is always looking to broaden our horizons by adding new songs and exercises and meeting up with singers from Cambridge and the Forest of Dean online. There's no way we would be going down there. My daughter was right. I wouldn't be without the singing now. I never thought of myself as a singer, but using my lungs in this way has made such a difference to me. Oh, wow. <laughs> Thank you so much That's for sharing cool. that. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, it just resonates so much with, yeah, just everything we've been talking about today. People and... you know in your groups, yeah, yeah absolutely. Sure. And it's, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Just just putting it into context of the difference it makes on all those different levels, the physical level, mm -hmm. the social interaction, the emotional well-being. Absolutely. So thank you very much to Joan for sharing her story as well. Absolutely. And we'll link that on the show notes so people can go and uh, find it on the website as well. Um, oh, thank you so much, uh, Caro and Jane. It's been such a exciting conversation really inspiring to talk to you both thank you very much yeah thank you do join us next week for our fourth episode of this series which is going to be looking at dementia inclusive singing uh, we'll be joined by Stephen Deasley from Luminate Scotland researcher and practitioner Jane Bentley and musical memories chairperson Sam Thompson Thanks for listening. This podcast is produced by Scotland's Singing for Health Network, a project hosted at the Royal Conservatoire of Scotland, funded by the Royal Society of Edinburgh, and in partnership with the University of Edinburgh. For more information on our activities, please visit our website. Details are in the show notes.